that dancing. That is impressive. Uh, well, listen, um, we're one church. We meet multiple locations, what we call campuses. So that means right now we got thousands of people joining us on the big screen. Would you welcome them, Liquid Church? What's up, guys, to all of our campuses? Uh, I'm Pastor Tim. Today you're in for a treat. Really, my job is easy. As a lead pastor, my job is to make sure that every single Sunday you hear God's word taught in a relevant way. Uh, that applies God's truth to just normal everyday life in an authentic voice. And so on Mother's Day, I was like, you know what? You need to hear from a real-life mama. Amen? So it's my pleasure to introduce you to Kyra Montanez, who serves as our campus pastor at our Morris County campus. Would you welcome Pastor Kyra? Come on out, girl. Give her a big hand. High five. Kyra, you're, now you're actually a lawyer by training. Yes. But that's not why she's up here. No. Uh, Kyra actually moved here with her husband, Jose, and her family from Puerto Rico. See. Si. How many years ago? Seven years ago. Seven years ago. And she started actually volunteering with Spanish translation, uh, began volunteering on our dream team, actually began working with Liquid Family, some of your children, and now is a full-time pastor right here at our broadcast campus. But that's not your biggest criteria for speaking Certainly today. Not. No. <laughs> I think most importantly, she is a wife. And she's a mama of two amazing children. In fact, if you look behind here, I see a little resemblance with this one. Who is this? It's my mini-me, my daughter Gabby. <laughs> Her daughter Gabby. So uh, she is going to open God's word today. Can I pray for you, Kyra? Let's just pray. Father, I know that you've planted a word in Kyra's heart. And Father, may it come out like fire in her mouth, God. We all have so much to learn. You're our good Father. And so, Lord, I pray as she opens up the Bible to us, we're opening up our hearts right now, Father. Tell us exactly what we need to hear, Father, as we grow into the purposes for, for our lives. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Give her a hand, guys. Pastor Kyra, take us away. Well, happy Mother's Day, Liquid Church. I want to welcome all of our campuses tuning in this morning. And I want to congratulate all of our moms here today. And, you know, my own mom is in the audience this morning. And on my way, yeah, let's give it a clap. Mommy, I love you. <laughs> And on my way to church this morning, I was kind of driving and reminiscing about all of the things that my mom taught me when I was a little girl. And she would be filled of great one-liners that she'd say to teach me a lesson. So here are three things I want to share with you that my mom taught me. My mom taught me prayer. Show of hands, whose mother here taught them to pray? Anybody? I see a couple. So here's how my mom taught me how to pray. Every time she'd say to me, girl, you better pray this thing comes off the sofa. I'd be like, help me, Jesus. My mom also taught me the art of anticipation. You know, every time she would say, you better wait until your dad gets home. I'd be like, I'm five. I don't know how to spell it, but I know how to feel it. <laughs> and then the last thing that my mom taught me, and the reason why I actually became a lawyer, is because she taught me all about justice. Every time she would say, you know, one day you'll have kids of your own, and I hope they turn out just like you. Can we hear it for all the moms? You guys are incredible. Um, all kidding aside, my name is Kyra, and like Pastor Tim said, I have been a wife for 16 years, married to my best friend Jose, and we have two wonderful kiddos, our daughter Gabby, almost 11, and our, our son Andy, almost 8. And this morning, I'm excited because I get to share with you guys a message I've titled, Moms on a Mission. Now, if you are not a mom and you are a guy, or if you're a woman but you're not yet a mom, 
perhaps by choice, perhaps because it hasn't happened yet, or maybe you're single or newly single, don't tune me out. This message is for everyone in this room. And here's why. Everyone here can have influence in the life of a child, whether it's because you're an aunt or an uncle, a grandmother, a granddad, maybe you're a neighbor, maybe you're a college student, a high school mentor, an elementary small group leader. I believe that God has strategically placed a child in your life for you to influence. And today, I want to show you the profound impact that everybody in this room can have over the life and the next generation of Christ followers. And to do that, we're going to be looking at the life of two godly women, a woman named Lois and a woman named Eunice, and the influence that they had in the life of a little boy called Timothy. If you recall, there are two letters in the Bible called 1st and 2nd Timothy, and also it's in the New Testament, Paul wrote it. And so that's the Timothy that I'm going to be talking about today. So please follow along with your Bible, you know, use our mobile app, but as you do that, let me set the scene of today's story. The Apostle Paul is in jail. And as he's writing in his prison cell, he decides to write Timothy a letter. And he opens it up this way. He says, I, Paul, have been reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Now, I have a dear friend named Lois, and sometimes people will call her Lolo. So I, when I read this verse, I imagine it's Grandmama Lolo, it's Mama Eunice, and Little Timmy. And here's a cool thing about these two ladies. They're only mentioned in the Bible once in this verse. In fact, Lois is the only woman ever mentioned in the Bible as a grandmother. And Paul opens up his letter by thanking them for the incredible impact that they had in the life of Timothy. And so here's what he says. He says, Timmy, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmama Lolo and in your mama Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And so notice there are three generations represented in this verse. First, there's grandmother Lolo or Lois, who actually passed on her faith to her daughter Eunice, who then passed on her faith to her son Timothy. There's a general transfer taking place here from Lois to Eunice to Timothy. And here, Paul is pointing out the ways in which both of these women planted seeds of faith in little Timothy's heart. Seeds that turned out to bear incredible fruit when he grew older. Because not only did Timothy become a very mature young adult, he actually became the pastor at the church in Ephesus. And so Timothy represented the next generation of believers to whom Paul was passing the torch to. 
Now, we don't know exactly what did his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice teach him. I like to fill the gaps, so I imagine maybe grandmother Lois, you know, taught him how to memorize scripture. Maybe his mama Eunice taught him about God's love and his forgiveness when he broke the rules at school. But we do know this. The Apostle Paul qualifies their faith as sincere which means that they consistently exposed Timothy to what it means like to have a life and live a life fully devoted to God. The influence of Grandmother Lois reminds me of my abuela, Carmen. That's how they say in Puerto Rico, people, Carmen. In fact, we're going to do a little Spanish lesson right now, and I want everybody with me to say Carmen. Come on. Carmen. Okay, we got to roll the R's, so let's try again. Carmen. It's okay. Essex people, I hear you rolling your R's all the way to Parsippany. But here's a cool picture that I want to show you this morning about my grandmother, Carmen. Can anybody take a guess, by show of hands, how old do you think she was in this picture? 80? 80, 80, anybody? 80? 90? 90, a couple. She lived to be 102 years old. Thanks to my grandma, I will be a, cent a centenarian too. <laughs> but here's the thing. Really cool about my grandmother, she never used glasses to read. In fact, I remember watching her read her Bible without glasses. And the last two years of her life, when her eyesight failed her, she relied on her memories of a lifetime spent poring over her Bible's pages. And my earliest memories of my grandmother was that my family would go to visit her on Sundays, and so I would see how she'd come back from church all dressed up, wearing a fancy little jacket, perfume, and really nice shoes. And now you guys know who I got it from. Yes, my grandmother, Carmen. But here's the thing. My grandmother was really petite, like shorter than me, and really thin, unlike me. Thank you for not laughing too hard. I appreciate that. Um, but she planted in me the same seeds that Lois planted in Timothy. Seeds that eventually took root, grew deep, and blossomed into my faith in Christ today. And for Timothy, and this is actually a really good picture. Let me just say this. Because that young girl that you see here wearing a white shirt with her hand on her grandma, that's actually me. And so we have my great-grandmother, Carmen, my grandmother, her daughter, my own mother, and then me. And for Timothy, if you guys remember, it took three generations for his faith to blossom, from Lois to Eunice to Timothy. My story, we have four generations of women. My great-grandma, mi abuela, mi mami, sorry, I have to say it in Spanish or it's not natural, and me. And so I don't want you guys to miss this. Some of you are planting seeds right now that will leave a legacy that you won't get to see until one, two, three, four generations later in the lives of your great-grandchildren. And you know, when I think of my abuela Carmen, I have this image 
burned in my brain of going to her house where she lived over a century in Vega Baja, Puerto Rico, and opening the door to her bedroom and peeking in and seeing my grandmother on her knees praying. And every time that she and I would hug and she'd say goodbye to me, she would say, nena, which means girl in English. Nena, I'm praying for you always, every day. My grandma walked hand in hand with her savior every day. And now that I'm a pastor, sometimes people ask me, well, what's your favorite Bible translation, Pastor Kyra? And I, you know what I always think when people ask me that and I never say? My grandmother's. Her Bible translation was the most convincing to me. Why? Because she translated every page of her Bible by modeling to me her convictions and the truth that she believed in. And one time, I remember her and my grandfather were uh, farmers, and they had like a little shop right by the house that they lived in, what we call a colmado in Puerto Rico, where they sold fruits, vegetables, and other household items. And one day, I see that my grandma is having some avocados in her store, but instead of selling them, she's giving them away for free. She had an avocado tree in her backyard, and they came from there. They were green, and they were ripe. None of that black business you get here in, in the grandmother's, you know, in the, in the ShopRite stores. And so, um, right? Come on, the people who live in, like, Caribbean and all that, they know what I'm talking about. But um, here's the thing. All of a sudden, I was maybe like eight or nine years old, and tax collector Kyra comes in, and she's like, Grandma, why are you giving these avocados for free? Like, you could get so much money out of these. And I'll never forget my grandmother's response because it was so formative all those years ago. She said to me, these avocados didn't cost me anything. Why would I charge for them? And then she said, nena, don't ever forget that being generous is a privilege. And I didn't know it at the time, but my grandmother Carmen was planting seeds of faith and generosity in me, in the heart of a little young Kyra. That seed was planted with me three generations ago, and it still guides me to this day. Kind of what like Lois and Timothy and Eunice did in the heart of Timothy. And I will say a lot of parenting, even grandparenting, is like that, planting seeds. And as an adult, with influence over the life of a child, you have to understand that your greatest achievement in life is growing fruit on someone else's tree. And you know, it's funny because now that I'm a pastor, I talk to a lot of young adults in their 20s, and somehow in that decade, really what people are trying to do is they're trying to understand who they are, what they're meant to do, what's their purpose, and then they get into their 30s and even their 40s, and I would suggest all of a sudden it becomes all about them. They want to grow fruit on their tree. They want to build money. They want to build a tower of success. But when an adult matures, there comes a point in their life when they realize it's not about them. When they realize success is not the same as significance. Can I say that again? Success is not the same as significance. It just isn't. There's something, a time when we realize 
that it's much more rewarding to invest in someone than to plow your own field. And that is growing fruit on someone else's tree. It's about leaving a legacy, planting seeds, watering them, patiently waiting, and watching God grow them into maturity. It actually reminds me of what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.6. He gave us, in this verse, the recipe for organic spiritual growth. And speaking of new believers, here's what he said. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. In life, there are certain growths that take place below the surface where you don't get to see it and you don't get to appreciate it until much later. But when you have influence over the life of a child, your job is to plant the seeds of faith in that child's life in that next generation, and then to water them consistently over time, which requires patience. I don't know if anybody here has realized you may be planting seeds that are going to grow generations into the future because you don't always get to see the results of our efforts. God is the one who makes it grow. And here, Paul is suggesting Three stages of growth in this verse for faith to grow. The first stage is that you actually have to plant the seed. That is what everybody in this room is called to do. Plant seeds of faith in your children. Regardless of whether you're a parent, because you can have influence over the life of a child and not be a parent. The second stage is that you actually have to water the seeds that you have been planting. And sometimes it's with tears. And then, with enough time and enough patience, you trust and you have faith that God is going to be growing that fruit. And so I want to talk to you today about what does it take to grow fruit on someone else's tree. You know, last summer, my husband and I did a DIY in our own backyard. I watched a YouTube video, and somehow I convinced myself and my husband that we could do the entire landscaping of our yard. Don't ask me if I regret that decision. But into our project, I realized you need actually special soil for the garden to germinate and, and fertilize the seed that will eventually produce and sustain the plant that it will grow. It can't just be like a patch of dirt. And one day, I remember going into Home Depot with my husband, and we were going to get some seeds to grow our garden. And I was, like, so excited. I'm like, yay, I'm a gardener, seeds. And so I'm, like, you know, looking at what kind of seed I'm going to take home. And I realized in every package of the seed, there is an instruction that says this, plant in well-cultivated soil. And I remember telling my husband, well, isn't all soil well-cultivated? I mean, we are in the garden state. Apparently half of it, it's toxic. Who knew, people? But that's what Lois and Eunice provided for young Timothy good soil to plant the seeds of faith in the garden of his heart. And thanks to the Apostle Paul, we're giving some clues about what kind of soil they provided. In Acts 16.1, we're told about a disciple named Timothy who was, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. 
So in other words, Timothy is the product of an interracial couple. On the one hand, you have his mother, who was a Jewish and a believer, and in the other hand, you have his dad, who was a Greek. So Timothy, baby Timothy, like baby Archie, Meghan Markle's and Prince Harry's newborn baby, was a biracial baby. But we know that Timothy wasn't necessarily an easy kid to race. Anybody here relate to that? <laughs> In 2 Timothy 5, Paul tells him this, Timothy, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So I just want to like take a moment and call out the elephant in the room. This is not the Bible telling you that you can drink wine every time that you don't feel well, okay, people? Actually, what happened is that in ancient times, water was contaminated and wine was thought to help people settle their stomachs. And some scholars speculate that Timothy had a really weak stomach. And so he probably was shy, maybe a little intimidated because the Bible doesn't specify whether his weak stomach was a result of, you know, something viral or just the fact that he was shy. So sometimes I think of Timothy as timid Timothy. And growing up, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice probably thought every now and then, is this boy ever going to bloom? You ever feel that way, moms? Ever feel that way, parents or people with influence over the life of a child, where you see your children, you see how far they still have to go, how much more they still have to mature, and you wonder and you think, is this boy ever going to bloom? Is that girl ever going to grow? And if you're not a parent today and you're not influencing a child, did your parents think that about you? I can tell you right now, my parents thought that about me. In fact, I'm going to confess a crime. But first, because my mom is here, mommy, no habla inglés, okay? Yes. Uh, here's what happened, guys. I was a teenager. And I stole my dad's company car filled it with a bunch of underage teenagers, and off to the discotheque we went. I don't even know if that's what it's still called. Probably not. But besides wanting to kill me, I know my dad. He must have thought, will this girl ever grow? And I'm sure these two ladies told themselves this question all the time. Will little Timmy grow up into a solid young man? He's so scrawny. He's so immature. What are we going to do with him, Lord? Will there ever be a time where he grows up, where his life produces fruit? We've been planting, and we've been watering, and we've been waiting, and we don't sow any fruit yet. But like moms on a mission, those two ladies patiently watered and fertilized the seeds of sincere faith in Timothy's life. And we discover that they actually produced fruit. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul says this, For this reason, I, Paul, remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, timid Timothy, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And notice that what Paul is saying here is that Timothy grew into a young man and he's affirming the spiritual gifts that God has given him. He had a gift of God. And so his spiritual character began to grow. 
for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Long after Lois and Eunice raised Timothy, we learn that eventually Timothy did in fact bloom into a mature man full of bold faith whose fruit took root and grew deep in other people's lives. And so here's three things that scripture tells us we learn about Timothy. He helped Paul establish churches in Asia Minor. He became a fervent student of scripture where he it was entrusted with a wide variety of ministry challenges. And number three, eventually, Timothy became the youngest pastor in the history of the early church. In other words, God grew the seed that his mom and his grandmother planted and watered. And that's the role of moms on a mission. The purpose of your life is to grow fruit on someone else's tree. I love how Jesus himself says it in John 15 where he says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. What kind of church fruit? Let's read it all together. Fruit that will last. Timothy bore fruit that was eternal because his mom and his grandmother day after day after day with great love and care and patience sowed and scattered the seeds of their faith during his childhood. And then they waited patiently for their boy to bloom. And that is the hardest part, isn't it? Gardening, growing, living things that produce beautiful blooms require a lot of watering and a lot of waiting to see if that girl is ever going to grow or if that boy is ever going to bloom. And because I don't want you to forget this, parents, right now we're going to do a fun thing. I'm going to invite all of our ushers right now at all of our campuses to come forward. Please come forward. And we have a flower that we want to give all of the ladies in this room. So, guys, sorry, this is not for you. You'll have your day in June. This is for the ladies. So if you're a lady here, take a flower, keep passing it down, and, have a, and everybody will have their flower. Now, here's the thing. I want you to hold on to this flower as I'm talking. Because let's be honest, all of us here like the idea of growing fruit on someone else's tree when it's your son that gets named one of the heroes of the Bible. Well, isn't that special? Here's little Timmy, and we have two letters in the Bible named after him. But here's the thing, guys. Lois and Eunice did not know that Timothy would eventually become the youngest pastor in the history of the entire early church or that we would have two letters in his name. And neither did my grandmother Carmen ever find out that one day I would become a pastor and I would be here on Mother's Day in 2019 preaching a message in the United States to you telling you about Timothy and talking about her. And the reason why that is, 
is because according to Paul, for a bud to bloom, you don't just need to plant the seed, you need to water it and wait patiently. And if there are any gardeners here, you know this is the stage that requires patience as you wait for the rain and you pray for the rain to come. And that's because gardening requires watering and waiting. And you know, I see this with my own kids. I mentioned earlier, I have two young kids. And sometimes I look at them and I'm like, is this boy ever going to bloom? Is this girl ever going to grow? And I find myself so impatient with them, waiting, waiting for my kids to put on their shoes, waiting for my kids to find their shoes, waiting for them to finish homework, waiting for them to eat, waiting for them to fall asleep, waiting for them at the car pickup line, waiting. Our biding our time is more countercultural than ever before. Because as Westerners, we're conditioned to have it our way, the right way. And you guys, it just think about it. If you go to a fast food driveway, you can have a meal in two minutes. I didn't say it was a nutritious meal, but you can have a meal. And then you go into your fancy coffee machine and you get your little cake up and you put it in there and you press a button and in 30 seconds you have your coffee. And then you have Amazon, one click shopping. And you click that button and a drone appears and the box is placed in your doorstep and you get your new shoes. Ladies, am I speaking to anyone in the room here? Come Come on! And here's the thing. We want, in fact, we expect the same results in our kids. Instant results. And when that boy doesn't bloom and that girl doesn't grow, we think, Lord, is something wrong? Because I don't see it. I don't see the growth. What am I going to do? If you have influence in the life of any child, you know Waiting is agony, absolute agony. Kids make mistakes, lots of them. They don't change as fast as we'd like. They don't grow or mature as fast as we pray, at least not the kids in my family. You know, I mentioned earlier, our youngest son, Andy, has Down syndrome. And just this past Tuesday, we went to his school on Tuesday to have a meeting with his entire team. And so when I say his entire team, I'm saying it was his regular ed teacher, his special needs teacher, it was his occupational therapist, physical therapist, speech therapist, case manager, psychologist, you name it, they had it. And my husband and I. And I'm just going to be very honest. It was brutal. Because, don't get me wrong, like his team was all excited about how much progress Andy has shown this year, how much he's grown, and all these wonderful things. But for me, it seemed like it wasn't enough. My expectations of where I thought my son needed to be were not met. And I was crushed. I was heartbroken. And so I was hold, sitting next to my husband, and I'm holding his hand and kind of nodding my way through the meeting. Finally, the meeting ends. We leave the office. My husband has to go to work, and so do I. And so he gives me a hug, and he says, we'll talk later when we get home. 
and I got in my car, and I just felt so much heartbreak that I started to cry. And right then and there, in the middle of that school parking lot, all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit so vividly say to me, you want to stand up there on Sunday morning and tell people with honesty and integrity that waiting is beautiful, that it's in waiting, that I do my best work in people, then you have to feel in the midst of this heartbreak, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this sorrow, in the midst of this waiting room that you have been living in, you have to feel that I am good. You have to declare that I am Emmanuel, that I am God with you. You have to know that my love for you is enough, that my grace for you is sufficient, that Andy belongs to me, that he is in the palm of my hand, and that I am working all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to his purposes. And so I just found myself just thanking God. And I said, God, I thank you because you are so good. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning in my life. I thank you that your faithfulness never ends. And God, most of all, I thank you for your nearness because your presence in my life keeps my heart steadfast as I'm in this waiting room. And you know what ended up happening? I found myself renewing my hope and my faith. And I realized Andy is blooming at his God-ordained pace. And so are your children. But sometimes, what we need to do as parents is to water the seeds of our children's potential with our tears. And guys, don't think that I have it all together. There's so many ways that I say the wrong thing more often than I'd like to admit. In fact, every time that I get preachy or self-righteous, do you know what I get from my 10-year-old tween? A deep stare and a sarcastic, wow, mom, that was deep. You should be a pastor. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Guys, I just want to give you hope this morning. The seeds that eventually produce beautiful blooms, it's a long process. So don't lose hope. And I don't know right now this morning what type of waiting season you find yourself in. Maybe you're waiting to have a child. And that weight of infertility, it just seems so endless and so painful. Or maybe you have a young child and he or she is not meeting their developmental milestones and you're just waiting for that to happen. Maybe your child is in elementary or middle school and they're not maturing as fast as you'd like and you're just waiting to see that happen. Maybe your high schooler hasn't picked yet what university they're going to go to and you're just waiting, praying that they choose the right one. Maybe your adult son or daughter just returned back home and you're just waiting to see them launch on their own and maybe your child left the faith and church and you are just waiting 
for them to return home to their heavenly father's arms. You feel the conscious hardship of waiting and you taste the bitter pill as it slithers down your throat. I want to remind you that regardless of whether it's spare moments or seemingly endless days, waiting is no waste in God's economy. It is in the delays, it is in the pauses that God works to save us from self-reliance and renew and revitalize our faith and our hope in Him. The unwelcome intrusions of waiting, whether they are weighty or seemingly tried, are powerful opportunities for God to be welcomed into every moment and keep our hearts renewed in him. The pain of waiting points our hearts to the life-saving patience of God. We owe everything to his kindness, to his patience, and to his grace with us. And guys, you're holding a flower in your hand. It took time for this flower to grow and bloom. It didn't start out this way. In fact, here's what it looked like six months ago. There's nothing, you can't even see it. But someone took that little tiny speck and buried it in warm earth. And then they did something that is hard. As they watered the seed, they waited. And for day after day, nothing happened. Week after week, no movement. Months after months after months, nada. Until four weeks ago, a little green stem poked its head through the ground. And because of rain and sun shining on it, it grew longer and stronger. And eventually it produced and sprouted a leaf. And then even more, better still, a little bud began to bloom until eventually the bud bloomed into this beautiful flower that you're holding in your hand. And now you look at it and you think, how beautiful. Guys, it's the same thing with our kids. Learning to wait while God grows our children under the surface is learning to be like our Heavenly Father. He isn't impatient with your lack of development. He doesn't linger on your mistakes. He waits patiently, quietly, and gives you a chance to respond to the seeds of faith that was planted in our lives. Remember the recipe that God gave you for organic spiritual growth in the lives of those you love? Let's read it again. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but who? Come on, church. God has been making it grow. So understand, mom's on a mission, waiting for God to grow that girl, for God to bloom that boy, waiting patiently is one of the holiest things that you can do. Because waiting is an act of faith and it's an act of trust. And wherever you wait, in the morning, when you're late for school, again. When you wait as they search for their lost shoe, again. 
When you wait as they search and, and you grow frustrated with how long homework takes, again, as you wait and you wonder, when is my teenager going to get home? Again, when you wait and you wonder, why is he or she always wearing headphones? Are they ever going to take it off and listen to a thing I say? As you wait for your millennial to launch on his own while he's living in your house, you, <laughs> I have to laugh, <laughs> as you are waiting in all the waiting rooms of your life, don't ever forget that gardening is my job, but growth is God's. In fact, can we all say that together? Gardening is my job, but growth is God's. And let's be honest, okay? I think it's easy for parents to feel guilty or think, I didn't do enough. But here's the good news. The fruit, the bud that you long to bloom and see grow in your child is not something within your power to produce. It's not your burden to carry. It's God's. And here's why. Because while gardening is my job, growth is on God. Only the Holy Spirit can produce something as beautiful as this bloom. Remember the recipe? I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So give this burden to him because only God, not you, has the power to make that boy bloom, to get that girl to grow. And when he does, it's a miracle. In fact, think of it as this way. The Holy Spirit is miracle grow. Can we get an amen to that? And he can overcome any shortcomings that you may have as a parent, mistakes that you've made, regrets that you feel. Don't wring your hands because of it. Remember, God's grace covers everything. What comes through planting and watering is faith. That's what Paul told Timothy. I have been reminded of your what? Sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Lois planted the seeds. Eunice watered them. And then both women waited and waited and waited. Timothy embraced ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ because of his mom and his grandmother's godly legacy. He saw a sincere faith in, in them and it drew him to Jesus. It is the same thing with me. My grandmother Carmen see, you know, planted the seeds of faith in me. My mom, my dad, they watered those seeds and eventually it gave bloom and root and took root into my own relationship with Christ this morning. So parents, it's okay, we're all parents, no, no, no problem. Parents, we're waiting. <laughs> parents, you are planting seeds right now that you won't get to see because they'll leave a legacy one, two, three, four, five generations into it. Remember, it started with my grandmother, Carmen, then it was my abuela, then it was my mommy, then it was me. And guess what? Today, now in 2019, I'm planting the seeds in the fifth generation woman of our family, my daughter Gabriella. 
Because of those moms on a mission, Lois and Eunice, the entire early church in Ephesus reaped the spiritual benefits of their godly influence. And here we are in 2019 still learning about them today. So guys, remember, while gardening is mostly waiting, growth is God's job. So you have an important job to do. Moms on a mission, a sacred calling. You have children to plant. You are watering the seeds of the next generation right now. You will speak more into their lives than any other human. What they hear from you echoes in their minds and in their hearts forever. What they see you do becomes their habit. You are shaping the faith and the character of generations yet unborn. They are shaped by mothers, by grandmothers, and with anyone, by anyone with direct influence over the life of a child. And if you're not currently speaking into the life of a child, I just want to let you know we have students here at Liquid Galore. So get busy planting, get busy watering, and then trust that God is going to be the one eventually growing the fruit. You can be a mom on a mission, but it's God who brings the growth. Amen? Let's pray. I want everyone here right now, every lady who has a flower, to hold it up. And I'm going to pray a blessing over you and the children that you're currently influencing. And so, God, we just want to give you praise, Lord. We just want to give you thanks. The burden is off of us. There is no pressure. You are the one, Lord, through your Holy Spirit that blooms and produces the fruit that we long to see in our children. So, God, I just pray right now for every woman in this room holding a flower. Each flower has a name, the child that they're influencing in right now, God. I just pray you would give them wisdom to continue to plant, give them patience keep their hearts steadfast in the weight and God ultimately challenge and grow their faith knowing that in due time you are the one that is going to grow that fruit Lord and so we just pray everybody would leave feeling encouraged Lord to not lose hope because the story is not yet finished we love you Lord and we pray all these things and everyone here says in his name amen amen can we hear it for our incredible mom